What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and as you would expect from the name of the show, we're here to discuss Monday Night Raw. I say we. I say we. But I think a discussion is with two people. We are here to discuss. Well, you're listening to me discuss with my brain what I thought of this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Before we get to that, though, before you hear my inner struggle in my mind, first want to give a little bit of love to O-Trippy, who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, there was four H's in there, so I wanted to emphasize O-Trippy. They said, the go-to WWE podcast. Ryan is so fun. And easy to listen to. I love his interviews with the superstars every week. I've been listening since day one. Ryan needs to watch more anime, though. I was happy to hear that he started. Great show. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Trippy. I appreciate the support, especially from someone who's been listening since day one. I try with the anime thing, man. I really did. I wish I wish there were things that I understood that everyone else seems to understand. But, alas, there are a lot of the things that I don't understand that other people do. But not when it comes to wrestling. When it comes to wrestling, my mind is very sound. So let's get into that before I drift off any more. I've had a long day. So just bear with me, guys. Bear with me, everyone who's listening. I will do my best here. <laughs> Show starts off. With Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss out first. Bianca says she was going to challenge Bailey to a match tonight before Extreme Rules, but she knew it still wouldn't be a fair fight. Obviously, this prompts an entrance from damage control. And Bailey says there's a difference between she and Bianca. Bianca was trained to be a champion, but she herself has been working to become a champion since she was a kid. Bianca was chosen. But Bailey has been working on it her whole life. And then, oh man, Bianca said this line here that even just like outside of wrestling is so good. Like it's something that should be taught to people in life. Uh, Bianca fires back saying, I'm not about to downplay my accomplishments to meet you at the level you're comfortable with. What a line. It's like like something like... <laughs> Something uh, like your parents would 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 uh, teach you to say, or or a, a, a you know a, a authority would say that you were like, man, that's something that's stuck with me for life. That's that's one of those ones I'm, that's gonna stick with me. I'm gonna think that when people are talking to someone, I'm not about to downplay my accomplishments to meet you at a level that you're comfortable with. What a good line. That's why I think Bianca is such a good role model at times like I don't know if that was something that was written for her it seems like something that she's just had in that she just had in the tank and man it was good I really liked how it sounded it made her sound like a like a like a true role model not to to put down Bailey as a role model also a role model (laughs) Uh, Bianca says that Bailey was smart to come back with Dakota and Io because she knew that she couldn't handle Bianca alone this obviously leads to Bailey up in the ante at extreme rules wanting it to be a ladder match between them for the title and obviously Bianca accepts 
And then she challenges EO to a match tonight. And we're off to the races. Bianca Belair versus EO Sky. Great storytelling in this match. Uh, Bianca and EO are just so good at wrestling. Like, I was just watching this thinking to myself, like, man, these, these two are just so good. Like, a lot of times when I'm sitting here writing notes, sometimes I'm like, Writing some of the spots that I liked or something that I found inventive. But I don't know if I necessarily felt like they were like recreating the wheel here or anything. Um, there wasn't like, any, you know, there wasn't like, there, there was one cool spot I saw where EO hit an arm drag on Bianca who was on the top rope. And I thought it was cool. So that's not something that you see done often. But really like that aside, I felt like they were doing the, the, the norm, but doing it so well. Like just so well. They're just... You know, Io Shirai, excuse me, Io Sky is someone who she just makes a lot of what she does look so effortless, you know, and, and it still looks impactful. And I just I really like her, her style in the ring. And Bianca Belair is just so smooth, so crisp, so clean with everything she's doing. And together, their styles mesh so well. And I really enjoyed this one. I really did. Uh, Bianca eventually hits the KOD for the pinfall victory. Next segment, Rey Mysterio was interviewed backstage, and Rey reiterates that he'll never hit Dominic, but he doesn't recognize the man that Dominic has become. I know deep down inside, that's not my son, and he claims that it's Rhea manipulating Dom's heart and mind. He then hypes his match against Seth Rollins later, saying that he won't show any remorse to Rollins when they face off. Excuse me. Miz then backstage with his own security team that he hired, which will be a running theme for a little while throughout this episode. And I love... <laughs> Miz had... Look, this is one of those things where Miz took a throwaway segment, just something that's... Could have been just nothing. Could have been a quick two lines. Done. But I, I, I like that with, with this, what they, they really just like, they took the, the minimum amount of time they had and they maximized it with some funny-ass lines from Miz. Uh, I liked when he said to them that uh, he was offering them a prize package worth up to $1 million, uh, but not a $1 million. It was a prize package worth up to $1 million, which included... Uh, a cameo in the next Marine. Didn't know they were making one of those. Gift cards. Sounds like me at Dave & Buster's after my engagement party. And career advice from none other than himself, which is really worth a million dollars in and of itself. And then he gives him the best nickname, the Miz Force. And go asks the Miz Force to find Dexter Loomis. Like I said, just really maximizing his on-screen time here. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was something he did. Writer, Triple H. I have no idea. But what I can say is one of my main, one of the one of my main uh, one of, one, of the, one of the main positives out of the Triple H era has been maximizing screen time for more than a handful of characters. Everyone's getting screen time. And, you know, there's the old ECW, you know, Paul Heyman. You'd always hear Paul Heyman's big thing was, you know, or people liked about Paul Heyman was that he was really good at, at um, you know, accent, accentuating people's positives and, and then downplaying their their negatives. And um, 
he, I feel like so far that's really been the case with a lot of these things is like we're getting lots of segments with lots of different people that all are are gaining from it. And it's not just a couple segments in the whole night. It's like every single segment. I, I'm writing so much. I'm writing so much, so many notes during the show because there's so much to analyze in these podcasts. So I think that like, um, and I spent a lot of time analyzing the two-minute backstage with the Miz, but, but I really do uh, respect how they're using the three hours to their advantage rather than something that hinders the show. Now there's there's a lot more meat on the bones that, that we're getting each week. It's a healthier serving of WWE, and I'm digging it. I said on on Twitter that I'm someone who thinks who's, who's a firm believer in the fact that actions speak louder than words. And I really do appreciate that Triple H is not coming out there and saying everything's going to be better. I'm fixing everything. You're going to be happy. Instead, he's giving us cool things and making changes that we like and bringing people back who we never wanted to be gone in the first place. Doing cool white rabbit, you know, uh, intrigue, building intrigue with things like the white rabbit, uh, you know, bringing people back, uh, giving people their logical first names back. <laughs> Um, you know, making the titles feel important, uh, logic, pro wrestling. It feels like I'm watching pro wrestling again to a certain degree, and I'm really into it. I mean, even this show itself was very wrestle heavy. We got some good long matches here. Starts off with that, you know, um, Bianca versus EO Sky match, which definitely got time. We're going to get Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins, you know, Alpha Academy versus Gargano and Owens. Um, you know, these are all things in the main event, Sammy versus AJ Styles, you know, like good wrestle heavy show, but still lots of story going on throughout. And that's something that me who, who someone like me who, who wants story, but also wants wrestling, uh, it, it serves me and I'm, I'm really enjoying, I, I'm like excited to watch Monday Night Raw every week. So that's plus next we had Seth Rollins come out, welcomes the audience to Monday Night Rollins, and says he should have been the United States champion in the ring at that moment, but he isn't because of Matt Riddle. But he's heard the rumblings that he can't beat Riddle in the fight pit, and and he's and he thinks that's silly. He's been in every type of match imaginable, and he's won them all. Quote, I've gotten Einstein-level acumen for the fight game. And he promises the match will end with Riddle flat on his back. You get Rey Mysterio out after that uh, nice little commercial spot where he drop kicks him before the match is even underway. Then we get some action after the commercial break between them, and eventually Dominic enters the match uh, by via ringside, and he seems to be peaceful with Seth despite their history uh, against each other. And then he sits ringside to watch the match. Seth and Ray eventually fall out of the ring, and while ringside, Dominic. Once again, challenges Ray to hit him with a chair. Seth keeps the ref occupied at this moment, and Rhea Ripley appears out of nowhere to shove Ray into the ring post. This allows Rollins to hit the stomp and lock in a Peruvian necktie submission for the win so that he can show Riddle that he, too, can bust out an MMA submission move for the finish. I like that. I like it. I always like when people have more moves in their arsenal that they can end a match with, and I realize it's to it's more so for the fight pit, but you know that's something that he now has in his arsenal that he can bust out at any moment, and I got nothing wrong with that because, in my opinion, 
Um, some people use a lot of the same submission moves as it is, and it's nice to have different ones being used out there. And this was a cool finish. I was into it. Um, no problem with this match at all. Here's what we're going to talk about next, though. <clears throat> we're going to talk about this week's White Rabbit Clue, because last week on SmackDown, the clue that came out, when it was over, it had the White Rabbit, and it gave a clue at the end that said Patricide which was the killing of one's father. And then this week on Monday Night Raw, where the clue it had also led you to, it was Monday Night Raw, Patricide. Um, when we got to that clue, that's this week, uh, Dominic comes out and, and another QR code flashes across the screen and that takes you to a video. But it's worth noting that the QR code came up when Dominic was on screen, and Dominic, his character, recently metaphorically killed his father to become his own man. So I think that's worth pointing out there. But this new video, uh, it says, who, who, who killed the world? You did. And they're using clips of wrestlers saying these words like The Rock and Randy Orton, Papa Shango, Road Dog, Kurt Angle, Sandman, and Edge. And then there's Feed Your Head with clips of Austin, Undertaker, Kevin Nash, and Cody Rhodes. It also seems like at one point the zip code uh, for somewhere in Kentucky flashes on the screen. Um, there's also coordinates at one point that or, uh, at the bottom of the screen that lead to a weird photo of like a giant dead bunny in, in the grass somewhere. There's also a URL. Uh, that has 930 YWG in it. 930 is the date of this. Oops, is the date. Sorry, I thought I had that muted. Uh, 930 is the date of this Friday's SmackDown, and YWG is the Winnipeg airport where the show will be happening. I fancy myself as good at cracking some of the, these things, but uh, that one was something I saw Sean Ross at. Pointed out. I was like trying to figure that out. I was looking at the code thinking, what does this mean? It's got to mean something. It's different than the others. That was what it was. I like it. Smart. Also, there's one other thing worth pointing out, and this is most likely a red herring. I think they know we're on to them at this point. <laughs> I think they've seen all of the people who are trying to decode every single one of these clues, trying to see what they can find in there looking in URLs, looking in, in all sorts of weird places. And one of the places people are looking, I guess, is in the source code. And in the source code of this one, it was interesting because, and I double-checked it myself just to see, but, oh, wait, what's this? Oh, it's from Reddit. Got it, got it, got it. Um, I thought that was something I maybe had missed. Um, if you look through the source code, um, when you scroll down a little bit, at one point it says console.log, and then it says no man is ever truly good, no man is ever truly evil, and then it goes back into all the regular code for the website. But those are the lyrics to Alistair Black's theme song. That seems worth pointing out. I don't know anything. I got no inside information. But but I do see that. 
And I do know that those are the opening lyrics to Alistair Black's theme song. Let's go to a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back to talk about the rest of this week's show. Before I get to the next segment, I should say, in regards to the White Rabbit stuff, um, I'm still trying to figure out what all this means. There was kind of like a lot thrown here. There was a lot thrown together in this. There was there's a lot of pieces. This is a puddle. It's puddle. If this is a puzzle, it's one of those like big puzzles that has really small, tiny pieces. And I need to wrap my head around some of these because I'm not exactly sure. So stand by. I'll let you. I'll, I'll look into it more and see if there's anything else I can glean from all of this. Next, there was Alpha Academy versus Johnny Gargano. And Kevin Owens, and much like the match between Otis and Braun Strowman, Alpha Academy got way more offense in than I would have expected. At one point in the match, though, Owens uh, super kicks Otis twice to get him on the commentary. Then he hopped up uh, commentary table. Then he hopped up on the barricade and hit an elbow drop through the table. This left Gargano alone in the ring with Gable, and it seemed like he was about to win. But Austin Theory shows up out of nowhere, grabs his leg, distracts him. Eventually, though, Gargano gets back in control. There's a close near fall after this, and and uh, and eventually Gargano gets away. You know, get, gets away enough to get the one final beat DDT to get the win for their team. Now, like I was saying at the top of this part, a lot more offense for Alpha and Academy than I was expecting, and I don't want to. I don't think it was a bad thing at all. Like you know, I think that when when Gargano had his first match against Chad Gable, first match back on Raw against Chad Gable. I think I said something on here about how he maybe needed to establish more of his moves first. And while I still do agree with that, it does appear to me like there is a sub-goal going on with Otis and with Chad Gable as of late to make them into... Not necessarily enhancement talent for everybody else, but to make them credible threats that still lose sometimes because they're good heels. But it seems like they want, even if the the push isn't necessarily for them right now in 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 certain capacities, it does feel like they are still trying to provide more credibility for them going forward and, and and present them as tougher competition than they had been before. And I like that. I think they're both really entertaining performers, um, and I uh, got no issue with it. So I, I like that they're doing this now. I think, at, you know, initially I was like, what? Why wouldn't they just let Gargano kind of do his thing? Why would they have this um, competitive of a match? But I think that, you know, I think that in, in in watching how the next few weeks have played out, I think right now one of the main goals in, it seems to be putting wrestling back into the show. And those two guys can wrestle their asses off. And so can, you know, Otis, so can Kevin Owens. So I understand why when you have this tag match, you know, you let Alpha Academy hold their own. Might as well strengthen your tag division while also giving a push to Gargano and Kevin Owens and also handling some more story time between Gargano and Austin Theory. A lot of things happening there. I enjoyed the segment very much. Crisp, smooth matches from Chad Gable. That guy rules. Um, Gargano, Kevin Owens. It's just like a bunch of people that rule in this match, so I couldn't dislike this match. 
Um, but I do think that I do think that if you want Johnny Gargano to be in contention for either the IC or the United States title at any point in time in the near future, I do think you have to get him over as a bit stronger of a competitor, especially when you have people like Lashley and Gunther holding those titles. Finn Balor approached AJ Styles once again backstage, trying to get him to join Judgment Day, but uh, AJ is not having it. Balor is once again super friendly, saying they could uh, change the business together like they've done in the past. He then offers an olive branch, saying that Judgment Day can back up AJ against Sammy, who has Solo Sokoa in his corner, but AJ says he'll watch his own back. Stubborn, stubborn styles. Theories backstage with Alpha Academy giving them crap for losing. And Gable says Otis hasn't been the same since losing to Braun. Then Theory's phone rings and it's none other than Strowman himself. Strowman says they're going to wrestle next week on Raw. And he's going to send Gable back from his hometown in a body bag. <laughs> Dastardly. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I... um. It seems like they're being a little loose with the brand split right now. Uh, it seems like they're letting people go where they need to be, and I'm into that. Uh, it's not too egregious right now. The the titles are still firmly planted, and letting people do what they got to do to get stories across is, is always going to be a positive in my book. I just don't like when it's done and there's no real storyline purpose. And So far, we've had a lot of logic since Triple H took over. Amos defeated two local wrestlers after that. Not much to analyze here with this one. It was very fast. Um, but I, you know, as someone who thinks there is a lot of potential in, in Amos as a performer, I'm happy that they haven't just given up on him in this new era. I think that there is a place for him, and I do think that there is money to be made with that man. You just got to find the right opponents for him. And I think Braun Strowman is one of them. So I, I, I have a feeling that the reason they're kind of keeping him uh, alive, so to speak, keeping him keeping him sizzling on the on the, keeping him his his steak sizzling on the grill, uh, so to speak, is because uh, I think that's that's got to be the next potential big feud, you know, of big guys. It's right there, Braun Strowman, Amos. It's gonna happen. Miz finds the Miz Force taken out backstage oh poor Miz Force they were supposed to be the best but the, but they are not alas they are not and while freaking out about it he stands next to a mannequin that has Oilers hockey gear on it aha you quickly realize it's Dexter Loomis he unmasks attacking the Miz then chokes him out with his submission move as Miz passes out um I I, I wonder like you know I, I felt like Dexter Loomis was best in NXT when he had, excuse me, when he had uh, Indy Hartwell there to kind of like communicate for him on his behalf. I would like to know more, even if it's via art or something. I'd like to know more about what is going on with Dexter Loomis and why he is continually attacking The Miz. It's not that I'm not enjoying it. I just kind of want to know something. I feel like we're like getting inundated with, you know, with intrigue when it comes to the White Rabbit. But with Dexter Loomis, 
I'm, I'm kind of confused to what we're supposed to be getting now from this. <laughs> That's just me. After the break, Nikki A.S.H. is waiting in the ring for her opponent, who ends up being none other, none, excuse me, who ends up being, I screwed up my, that's how excited I am. Candice LeRae came back. That's how excited I was. I just screwed up the whole freaking thing. Uh, Candice wins in short time. Man, so excited to see Candice back. If you listen to this podcast feed, you probably listened out of character. You probably listened to my conversation with Johnny Gargano, and man, the man lied to me. He knew when Candace was coming back, but like a good husband, he did not reveal her secrets. But I am so happy to see her back. She's a she's such a talented individual. She's such a great wrestler. Um, when I first started going to PWG shows and I saw her wrestle, I was just like, oh my God, this person is one of the best wrestlers so much to do with Candice LeRae. I think she's such a such a unique individual who, you know, has been such a big part of women's wrestling on the independents and, and, and was a big part of it in NXT and now really has the opportunity to be on the main roster with someone who believes in her running creative. And that's something that makes me happy because I think that that's what you need. You need someone who believes in you to succeed. We need people that believe in us to succeed. We need people that let us know they believe in us. That's how you let people... That, that's how people get inspired to work harder. And, you know, I think that this this move signals that Triple H believes in, in Candice LeRae, much like he's believed in Dakota and EO, and they have proven him right, and Karrion Cross and Hit Row, and the list is starting to go on and on and on. Um, but, man, I'm real happy to see Candice LeRae on that list. Candice LeRae versus Bailey is going to be such a good match when we get there. Um, Candice LeRae, just like Candice LeRae versus, you know, Asuka, Bianca. Like, I want to see all these things. Candice LeRae, I think, has huge potential. And another thing, I'm really happy that she was brought back as a babyface. I think that I, there was thought that maybe, she, I, I thought, that the, <laughs> I thought that if she was coming back, that she was going to be the fourth member of Damage Control. I think that with her history on the independence and in NXT, she would have made the uh, uh, an, an easy choice for that group. However, however, because obviously putting her there would have made sense. She was a heel before. I think there's way more potential in a babyface Candice LeRae. She's so easy to get behind. She is someone that people can believe in, and she's a great baby face so i thought it was a smart move to bring her back as a baby face rather than a heel we're gonna get to one more candace larray related discussion in a second but we're, we're not quite there yet first we got Sami Zayn versus aj styles and i was just watching this match thinking that sometimes aj styles like probably doesn't understand just how smooth he is at wrestling at one point he like did his little mini hop hurricane rana and it just looked Way too good. He's just so good at what he does in that ring. I was, I just, I'm just always marvelled at it. Like I just marvel at how good he is. And like, I do think that when it all, when it's all said and done on his career, I do think that he is gonna stand up, stand out as probably one of the top five smoothest in ring workers of all time. The finish of this match came 
when the ref was distracted and solo hit him with a urinagi on the ring apron. This allowed Sami Zayn to hit a luva kick and pick up the win. Then after the match, Judgment Day came out and Finn Balor reminded him of their earlier conversation and how it could have helped him tonight if he had just taken their offer. So he gives him another chance to rise up and join the Judgment Day. A dejected AJ finally stands up and Balor offers him a two-sweet, but he gets flipped off by AJ Styles. Instead, it's two birds and uh, gets attacked by the group. They wrap a chair around his head and Balor looks like he's going to stomp on it. But he stops, and he gets close to AJ and said, I, says, I could have ended it all right now, but I'm your friend. That's not what friends do. I obviously like <laughs> I obviously like the Balor-AJ stuff. But what I'm really liking is just strengthening Balor as just one of the top heels of the show right now. And, and, and what's, what's furthermore, what's even better about it is like in this, he's not even really seeming like a bad guy. He's actually seeming like a cool guy. You know, he's not really seeming that bad. He's got the cool guy down pat, but it's like, it's definitely like a either you're with us or against us type vibe. And I have a feeling it's they're going to be less cool to him very soon now that uh, now that the end of the show happened. But um, yeah, I, I like that they're going back to this. You know, I think that, that you know, it kind of, they, they kind of went away from it, but I think that, you know, more between Finn Balor and AJ Styles is money. Damage control approach Bianca and Candice backstage. We get a little tease between Candice and Bailey, and then a match set for next week between Candice and Dakota Kai. All right, here's my question. Here's my question to you. Damage control, Bianca, Candice, uh, Asuka, Alexa Bliss. I see four people. I see three people. I see the majority of a War Games match, but who is the final person in damage control? I think a lot of people thought that it was maybe going to be Candace, but now Candace seems to be on the babyface side. So who could fill that vacant spot so we get a full War Games match? My guess, I think it might be Indy Hartwell. You know Indy Hartwell is a huge Bailey fan. And I think that the the point of this faction seems to be Bailey bringing people up who were overlooked for others and giving them an opportunity on the main roster to join her and finally get what she deserves. Could that be Indy Hartwell? It'd be interesting. I think it'd be a good story there. We're seeing Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory feud. We got father and son. Why not mother and daughter? It would make sense to me. And plus, you know, I, I think that Indy Hartwell, you know, if you look at it, you could see from her vantage point, from a character standpoint, if Johnny Gargano and Candace came back and they didn't let her know or they weren't trying to, they didn't, let, you know, give her a heads up so she could come with them, she could feel dejected. Plus, when Dexter Loomis came back, he broke up with her technically. So there are motivations there. I have seen other people suggest maybe a Tegan Knox, um, bring her back. But I think, I mean, obviously, I think it's op- it's wide open. Could be anyone. Um, 
But that's what I think makes the most sense right now to me. Maybe I'm crazy. You tweet me. Tell me what you think. Lastly, the main event, Matt Riddle versus Damian Priest. I was surprised uh, to see Riddle lift up Damian Priest for the bro Derek in this and for Priest to kick out of it afterward. Priest then hits a downward spiral-like move, but Riddle kicks out. And eventually, Riddle reverses a torture rack attempt into a pin for the win. Good little match between these two. Um, I think that, you know, I think I was saying earlier, like, actions speak louder than words. And I like that Triple H is kind of coming out and showing us. He's not coming, excuse me. Rather than coming out and telling us what he's going to do and how he's going to make everything better, he's just been showing us. He's just been creating actual change. And I feel like this is a good example of it, as small as it may be, of just going, hey, I've got faith in these two guys who aren't necessarily former world champions or main event guys. I've got faith in them to put on a banger in the main event, and I think people will watch it. And I, you know, I, I like that. I think that's what people want. I think that's how people get over more. I think that that is how the, the, the WWE gets better. More people getting over. More people getting main event opportunities, you know? And I think that this is a good example of that. Riddle's obviously been in main events, but I'm just saying something new, something different, something I like. I'm into it. Then Edge, uh, excuse me, then Judgment Day immediately pounce on Riddle after the match. And as they continue to gang up on him, Edge's music hits. He rushes to the ring. He spears Priest. He stares Dominic so hard he leaves the ring. And then he spears Finn Balor. The group immediately starts to retreat. Edge gets on the mic saying they've continually tried to finish him, but he always comes back, even if it takes me nine years. I come back, and then he challenges Finn Balor to an I quit match at Extreme Rules. This is the match they've been building towards. This is the match I've been wanting to see. I've been wanting to see this match for so long now. And we're finally here. I really like how Finn Balor is being made to look like one of the top heels on the show. He's being made to look like someone who is a threat. He's got these 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 attack dogs. Um, he he's got you know even though they're all supposed to be equals, he is standing out still as the main event guy. And we're seeing the most you know we're seeing the most main event level Finn that we've seen in a while. Like this, you could tell he's able to sink his teeth into it. He's, he's, he's taking the opportunity and running with it. And you can see the judgment day molding and changing themselves week to week to kind of figure out who they are post edge, post Vince. And each week they get cooler. They get more comfortable with each other. And all three of them, excuse me, all four of them are gaining from this. So, uh, yeah, I liked, this and the idea that we're finally getting Finn Balor versus Edge and it's gonna be an I quit match, like, dude, that's epic. That's epic, dude. Like, that's one of those matches a few years ago that you never thought you'd see. And Finn Balor versus Edge on the main roster and a pay-per-view in an I quit match. Shut up. You're not gonna see that. So we should be thankful that we are getting to see that. And there's been a really good build around it for like months. Good stuff. All right, I'm done here. Make sure. You come back to this podcast feed on Wednesday. We got Kayla Braxton on the show. Very entertaining conversation between the two of us. Talks about chasing her dreams, her recent move to L.A., being an interviewer, the bump. We also talk a lot about The Bachelorette. I'm sorry. I like it. I watch it with my fiance. Sue me.
No, you'll like it. I think you'll like it. <laughs> if not, you can fast forward a little bit, but the rest of it, all the wrestling talk and the life talk, you'll still enjoy. Also, I'll be back on Friday for another SmackDown roundup. In the meantime, though, before either of those happens, if you could do me a solid, it would be awesome. If you could do me a solid and go rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen on, please hit those star buttons, you know, get, get hit, hit it up to five. Don't be lame and do one or something like that just to be a cool guy or four just so you can seem like you're, you know, a smart critic. Hit hit that five stars and leave a review if you can on Apple Podcasts. I don't think you can leave a review, a written review elsewhere, but if you can leave one there, I will be very appreciative of it. And really, if you can, subscribe to this podcast feed as well. If you're listening to this and you're not subscribed, what are you doing? You got this far. You probably kind of liked it at least. Uh, Hit the subscribe button. I'd appreciate it very much. And also make sure that you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find the video version of Out of Character every Wednesday morning. Clips from Raw and SmackDown and so much more at the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time. I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the Raw Roundup.